Welcome to our podcast for college Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick. In our last episode, we spoke about what freedom is and how there are different types of freedom. So today we're going to speak about some concepts connected to the reality of human freedom, like responsibility, imputability, and so forth. So first of all, let me distinguish between a human act and an act of a man. And this is important for the moral uh, theology, if you want, or moral, moral philosophy. A human act is an action, whether interior or exterior, that springs from a deliberate and free-willed choice made by a human person. There are certain actions which we choose and consent to with a complete deliberation of our reason and our free will. In such cases, we, we are responsible for those actions, and we will have to give an account before God for those actions. As our Lord says in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 12, verse 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will render an account for every careless word they utter. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Of course, that saying is applicable not only to words, but also to actions and even interior desires or thoughts. On the other hand, as you can imagine, there are many other actions made by a human person that are not the effect of a free will choice, like blinking or breathing or waving, waving off a mosquito that is uh, bothering us, or even some thoughts or imaginations that could come into our mind, but not by our choice. We could call these actions of a man, in the sense that they are made by a human being, but the deliberate free will is not involved at all in their production. So as a quick uh, summary of what we have uh, been speaking in last episode, just a summary. Uh, the best thing would be to listen to the previous episode if you haven't heard it. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas understands freedom not simply as the ability to choose between different options, but as the interior capacity to determine oneself to choose what is good. In other words, to choose what is according to the will of God, and if possible, to act according to that choice. In that sense, one is truly free when one can choose and act in accordance with one's reason illuminated by faith in God. As uh, St. Irenaeus the Leon, in his work Against the Heresies, St. Irenaeus is a church father, by the way, he said that man is rational and therefore like God. He is created with free will and is master over his acts. So there, uh, St. Irenaeus is connecting the rational reality or quality of man with his ability to be free. So uh, now let me share an anecdote of my own personal life. I still remember when, um, around the time when I was senior in high school, I became very aware of this reality of our free will and how we have the power to choose freely and how our choices can have an impact in the lives of other people. 
and how we are responsible not only of our actions, but also of the good and the negative effects that our choices have on other people around us. So if we say something that is hurtful, or if we do something that damages another person, they have an effect. Our actions, our free-willed choices have an effect. So I think that that was like an uh, aha moment in my life. I was made very much aware of the burden that it is to have free will. So I wondered if it wouldn't be better not to have to choose stuff in life. Because our future and the lives of other people depended on those choices. And that was a burden. I've experienced it like a burden. Only later did I realize that our freedom is actually a gift from God, which he kind of gives us as a talent, like a challenge, a, a gift, a, a tool to work with, to give him glory and to do good in the world. And that really gives a better understanding of what this gift of human freedom is about. So this freedom that we have as a gift from God also gives us a greater responsibility. It's a great power, a gift, a talent, but also a burden of responsibility. As you well know, Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. And this is very true with regard the, to the power of our free will and the responsibility that comes from it, with it. So responsibility means that we will have to respond for the actions we choose to do or not do. We will have to respond to, uh, for, for the words that we choose to say and so forth. So this reminds me of the great sense of responsibility uh, that St. John Vianney had being a pastor of his parish in ours, France. St. John Vianney is uh, more commonly known as a curé of ours. And he was a simple priest, very simple, uh, very simple man. He, he had a hard time uh, passing the exams to become a priest. But finally he was ordained and he was a devout, very devout priest. And he was made finally a pastor of a small parish town in Ars. That even uh, people say it wasn't in the maps. So he was deeply aware of the fact that in many ways, the salvation of the members of his parish depended on him and on his sanctification. So he prayed often before the Blessed Sacrament for his parish, for the salvation of his flock. And he was so aware of the account he would have to give to God and, his, and, and aware of his own sinfulness, that on a couple of occasions he, was, he tried to leave his post or escape and become a hermit, a monk. But his parishioners, aware of his plans and also aware of his holiness, stopped him from leaving. So he stayed in his parish, and this, he, he did this a couple of times. So finally he stayed in his parish, but he did his best to pray and do mortification for the well-being of his flock, and also made an effort to teach the truth of the faith very faithfully. And he tried to give a good example in every way that he could. So there's an example of a man who was clearly aware of the responsibility of his free choices. So let us look a little bit more at what it means to be responsible. Uh, we, we typically say you have to be responsible, meaning you have to be aware of your responsibility. But what, what does it mean to be responsible of my actions? 
when a person is completely free to act, that is, he has a he has a use of reason, he is not under coercion, he has complete use of his interior deliberation, so he is free to act, and chooses to act in a particular way, the choice itself and the consequences of that choice are imputable to that person. They are imputable to that person to the extent that those consequences are clearly foreseeable and connected to that choice that he made. So this imputability is a quality of our free, responsible actions. So every, every action, every free-willed human action is imputable to its author. As we read in the scriptures, the Lord, the Lord God, asked Eve after her sin in the garden, what is this that you have done? And we read that in Genesis chapter 3. And also the prophet Nathan in the second uh, book of Samuel chapter 12 questioned David in the same way after he committed adultery with the wife of Uriah uh, and murdered Uriah. The, the prophet challenged David, why, you did, why did you do this? Why? Because the actions of the death of Uriah and the adultery are imputable, in that case, to David. So now here there are some uh, important clarifications that can help understand a little bit more this whole issue of the moral responsibility for our actions. This quans- the, the quality of being free makes us responsible for the things we choose to, to do and consent to do. Of course, this responsibility has different levels or degrees of responsibility. The church clearly teaches that this imputability and responsibility for our actions can be uh, sometimes diminished or even nullified by different factors like, for example, invincible ignorance, inadvertence, excessive fear, inordinate attachments, or uh, deeply rooted vices, we could say, and especially if there are some psychological challenges or social cultural factors that limit the freedom of a person. On the other hand, apart from uh, degrees of responsibility or uh, our freedom being diminished or nullified by those different factors, there are sometimes um, actions where we can be indirectly guilty or response indirectly responsible for certain things. For example, if a certain thing if a certain action happens as a result of one's negligence in knowing negligence in knowing what I should have known. For example, the case of an, an anesthesiologist who causes the death of a patient because of a mistake in calculating the amount of anesthesia administered. Or if one places oneself voluntarily in a situation that might bring about other sinful actions as indirect consequences. Like the case of a person who voluntarily gets drunk and then, under the influence of alcohol or drugs, does evil things without knowing what they are doing. Those actions, at the moment, are not free because the person is under the influence of alcohol or drugs. But he voluntarily placed himself in that situation. And therefore, he's indirectly guilty or responsible. Or we also say he is responsible 
in the cause of those actions. So there are uh, several examples provided by the Holy Scriptures regarding those different levels of responsibility or guilt that can, uh, that can help us, you know, to understand a little bit more. Uh, they're not exactly directed to, uh, related to the examples I gave, but they show indirect or levels of responsibility or participation in an action. First, we have the example of St. Paul, who before his conversion was named Saul. In the Acts of the Apostles, chapters 7 and 8, we read how St. Stephen, the apostle, gave witness to Jesus Christ as the Messiah awaited by Israel. And the leaders of the Jews were very angry at him and at his witness. And we read in the Acts of the Apostles, they threw him out of the city and began to stone him. The witnesses laid down their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now Saul was consenting to his execution. In that case uh, of the Acts of the Apostles, we see how Saul gives his interior consent to the unjust execution of St. Stephen. And after consenting, he supports the murderers by holding or guarding their cloaks so they can for more freely uh, commit their, their sin. So it is clear from the sacred text that while Saul didn't actually kill St. Stephen, he interiorly consented and approved of that murderer's act. And therefore, he was guilty of it as well. This is very similar to that of the statement of our Lord where he says in St. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's clear that that uh, person has not actually committed adultery physically, but he is guilty of such a sin because he consented it he consented to it in his heart. Another important biblical example is that of the role that Judas and the leaders of the Pharisees played in the execution of Jesus Christ. Judas arranged the place and time with the Pharisees where they could easily capture him in the dark. And Judas received for that 30 pieces of silver. So after Jesus was arrested and he was in the process of being condemned, Judas realized more deeply what he had done and the consequences of his choices. We read in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 27, verses 3 and 5. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that Jesus had been condemned, deeply regretted what he had done. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? Look to it yourself. Here we see how although he didn't actually condemn Christ to death, he realized that his actions led to that, and he feels the burden of the responsibility. Unfortunately, uh, Judas was crushed by the weight of his sin and despaired 
and hanged himself. So here we come to a final uh, topic of today, and that is how sin is like a spiritual chain, a burden that limits our freedom. The more we sin, the more we become slaves to sin, and the more we become unable to act and choose freely. So slavery to sin is a very real thing in the world today. As the Catechism says in number 1740, by deviating from the moral law, man violates his own freedom, becomes imprisoned within himself, disrupts neighborly fellowship, and rebels against divine truth. However, uh, Christ helps us with his grace to break those chains of sin. Through his cross, Christ redeemed us from the sin that keeps us in bondage. In that sense, Judas didn't have to hang himself. He could have uh, gone to Jesus or to the Virgin Mary for forgiveness and freedom from the terrible burden of his sin. As as, uh, St. Paul says to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. So through his grace, through the Holy Spirit given to us through the sacraments, Christ can free us. He can free you from any sin that you're struggling with. In Christ, in his sacraments, in the church, you will find freedom. I hope we could all live constantly guided by this grace of Christ. His grace is not in the slightest way a rival to our freedom. Sometimes people think that, that if we obey God, we will be, our freedom will be thwarted. But on the contrary, the more docile we are to the promptings of grace, the more we grow in the inner freedom and confidence during our trials, such as those we face in the pressures and the constraints of the outer world, the businesses of the world or the busyness of the world. In that sense, uh, last episode we spoke about the amazing witness to interior freedom given by blessed Franz Jägerstatter, an Austrian farmer who died a martyr in 1943 at the hands of the Nazis. One thing I didn't say last episode is that after being sentenced to death for refusing to fight in the Nazi army while he was waiting for the day of his execution, he had clearly reached a mystical union with God. And this union did not limit his freedom. Actually, this union gave him a greater interior freedom. So much so that when he was offered a book of the New Testament to read, he answered, I am completely bound in inner union with the Lord. And any reading would only interrupt my communication with God. Right? So he was completely bound in in inner union with the Lord. What a great gift to be completely and always bound to God and to His grace. His will was completely one with God's, one in the sense of conformed, united to God's. It was a mystical union, which is a grace of God and which assures him of the goodness of his choices. Of course, we cannot obtain that by our efforts. It has to be received from God. It's a gift of God, but we have to be docile to that grace, right? So, And this being bound to God's will didn't reduce his freedom, but made it more perfect. So I encourage you to pray and work daily to be more 
and more docile to the interior grace of God, that we may obey God more and more, or if you want, follow his will. That docility to the interior inspirations and motions of the Holy Spirit in, the, in your soul is a key element of your sanctification. So try to be docile to those graces, and you will see how God will guide you into what St. Paul calls the glorious freedom of the children of God in Romans chapter 8. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to share this episode with your friends. Follow us on your preferred platform. And if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or in Spotify. Hope to see you next time. And may God bless your day.